0: To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. If you are starting a vertical farm and don't know where to begin or which technology would suit your needs, then reach out to the experts at Cultivated. As indoor farm brokers, they help connect you to the right technology and ensure your project is successful. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Visit cultivated.com to learn more. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Or click the link in the show notes.
1: We constantly discuss with a team, where's our biggest impact? One of it was like, okay, are we making a difference on the carbon side of things? And answering very strongly, we saw that it wasn't the main thing, right? So the main thing is people and water. How do we hone in on that? And being like very aggressive in a way or sincere in terms of what we want to build and where our impact lies, always trying to come back to the why and articulate it with what we're building welcome to the vertical farming podcast weekly conversations with fascinating ceos founders and ag tech visionaries join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host harry duran
0: vertical farming podcast season seven regular listeners welcome back Some of you who I met at Indoor AgCon this past week, so exciting, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a second. If this is your first time listening, for sure you are in the right place because you're looking for interviews with fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world, and this is the show for you. I'm your host, Harry Duran. In case you missed last week's episode, I spoke with my fellow ag podcaster, Trevor Williams, and we explored the latest trends happening in ag and ag tech. Trevor was nice enough to reach out, and we covered topics ranging from vertical farming and regenerative agriculture to cellular agriculture and food production for space exploration. On Farm Traveler, Trevor interviews farmers, ranchers, and entrepreneurs from around the world as they provide his listeners with valuable insights and education about the industry. It was a great opportunity to talk a little podcast shop and share some stories about the wonderful conversations we've been having on the show. This week, I speak with Emiliano Gutierrez of Raiz Farms. In this episode, Emiliano shares his entrepreneurial journey of creating a sustainable food system through vertical farming. He discusses his vision for using solar energy, LEDs, blockchain, and yes, NFTs to transform the way we think about growing food. He shares his personal experiences of building a business from the ground up and the challenges and opportunities that come with it. He also talks about his plans for leveraging blockchain and other technologies to power a decentralized food system. This one's a must listen if you're interested in startups, agriculture global solutions or anyone interested in becoming a change agent for a better planet. I think we've got it all covered here. Thanks again to the folks who send in reviews for last episode. It was really nice to read those out. Along those lines, it wasn't necessarily a review, but I did have several people come up to me at Indoor AgCon. One of them as I opened the doors to the elevator on my hotel floor Sheldon nice to meet you in person and coincidentally enough the way things work I ended up bumping into him again online for some breakfast <laughs> the next day so small world indeed but at the conference got to meet not only past guests but also current listeners of the show which really warmed my heart I was at a session with David Farquhar and Peter Sellu, and was able to ask a question and mention that I was the host of the Vertical Forming podcast and it turned out to be a good thing because I had several people come up to me afterwards given that my face is not that prominent anywhere on the show, they were happy to get a chance to say hi and tell me how much of a fan they are of the show. And some of them have listened to a lot of the episodes. So to all of those that I've met there in person, to all of those that I'm going to meet at a future vertical farming conference, thank you so much. It really warmed my heart and it makes me happy to continue to work hard to make sure we get these episodes out for you each and every week and share these wonderful stories. Special thanks to Suzanne, Brian and the entire Indoor AgCon team for creating a wonderful event. This is their 10th year. They doubled the attendance of last year and all the sessions were great. And the conversations were just as good. I even had an opportunity to visit through an event organized by Indoor AgCon, the local food deserts in downtown Las Vegas. And that was a wonderful eye opening, sometimes sad experience to see the current conditions of having fresh food available to folks in lower income neighborhoods. But I was excited by the work of the folks at Greenside Up and some other folks I'll be having on the show to talk about what they're doing to leverage vertical farming to make fresh produce more readily available for these communities and that definitely warmed my heart. It was not something I knew was there when I arrived and I was happy to see it on the program and grateful that I was able to squeeze in (laughs) on the shuttle bus for that trip, which was definitely worth it. As you might imagine, I met not only past guests who are coming back for a round two or maybe three, but also new CEOs, new connections, new companies, and it'll be fun to get those queued up for next season. Okay, before we jump into this uninterrupted conversation with Emiliano, here are a few words from the folks that support this show. And by the way, if you're interested in being one of the sponsors, reach out to me as we have space coming up both this season and next. This year, VertiFarm takes place from September 26th through September 28th at the Exhibition Center in Dortmund, Germany. For those new to VertiFarm, it's the most significant trade fair for next level farming and new food systems. Their international platform, is set to showcase the latest developments in innovative controlled production systems for vegetables, salad crops, herbs, and microgreens, as well as sustainable fish, insect breeding, fruit cultivation, and medicinal plants. Vertifarm is shaping the future of vertical farming and new food systems. Reserve your ticket and learn more at That's vertifarm.de. That's V E R T I F A R M.de. So, Emiliano Gutierrez, CEO and co founder of Raiz Farms, thank you for joining me on the Vertical Farming Podcast.
1: Thanks to you, Harry. It's a pleasure to be here, honored.
0: So where is home for you? Where are you calling in from?
1: So home is Lisbon at the moment, Lisbon, Portugal. How long have you been there? Around two years now. So Okay. yeah, we launched the company in 2021. Uh, I actually lived here in 2017. fell in love with the city, the ecosystem and everything that was going on. But that was six months. So yeah, hitting uh, two years now, a bit more.
0: Haven't been to Portugal Heard a lot of good things about it, specifically uh, Lisbon. I've been to uh, Spain, been to Madrid and Barcelona. So for people that have not been, how would you describe the city?
1: Yeah, amazing. Totally recommend it. Uh, sunny when it's sunny right now. It's actually <laughs> raining a bit, but they they call it Sun Lisbon. Uh, it's great weather overall, amazing food, quite accessible, good people. And most importantly, I would say it's it's a rising startup ecosystem. For yeah, all things startup, sustainability, Web three, etc. So it's it's a great place to be.
0: And where are you originally from?
1: Originally from Mexico. Okay. I'm born and raised in in TJ uh, Tijuana, Baja California.
0: Okay. What was uh, growing up in Tijuana like?
1: Fun, I would say. <laughs> uh, very. It's bicultural, right? So yeah, we have uh, all the California influence, but of course it's Mexico. and It's like. Um, the first city in the country from north to south, so it was um, challenging in the sense of um, yeah trying to create something and trying to always expand. But it was also also fun, and I was I would say uh, a lucky child blessed by great parents as well that uh, always pushed me towards learning and growing. So that's something I, I totally appreciate.
0: It must be an interesting dynamic growing up in Tijuana because you have, you know, arguably what is the most attractive, alluring, successful, biggest country, you know, depending how you want to measure it, you know, right there, so close. And I'm wondering growing up what that was like, you know, as you were growing up and you were in school, you were in college. And I remember me, I grew up a little bit, not that similar, but I grew up just outside New York City. So I grew if you look at a map, it's uh, Manhattan, the Bronx, and then Yonkers, which is the city where I grew up. But I remember, remember, like, I had New York City in my, sort of like in my backyard, I could see like the Empire State Building from some, some (laughs) places in Yonkers, because it's got a lot of hills. And I was just like, I got to get there. I got to get there. (laughs) So I'm curious if that was like the same feeling for you.
1: Totally get it. Uh, I've been to New York and also Yonkers. But uh, in terms of TJ, I mean, it does happen. And I think it's something commonly known in, in certain circles in Mexico, especially Baja. We used to go a lot, right? So... We, funnily enough, we call it El Otro Lado, or the other side, uh, and you go you go to El Otro Lado every every weekend or so. <laughs> and of course, there's always the option of studying there if if you want or the family wants it, etc. And it's it's an interesting and, and I would say challenging thing for both myself and families uh, choosing to to go there or to get the double nationality, etc. I had, I would say, the advantage of being able to go often to have family over there, both in, in California and New York, and, and get the exposure. I'll share more further ahead. But actually, worked for a couple of yeah programs on entrepreneurship in in Silicon Valley and and in New York. But as a child, you get to see both worlds, and I would say that that also influences of what you want to to create further ahead right so i always had that uh, well ingrained of in terms of what is possible and what's driving innovation in, in for example in california silicon valley so it was something ingrained that i've been trying to reach or adapt right so it's pros and cons but definitely something that made me learn in the early days and, and still does
0: you mentioned new york you mentioned silicon valley so i get the sense you know we can move now into your university days like did a lot of that color or influence, you know, how you started to think about what you wanted to study, you know, what you wanted to learn more about?
1: Definitely, definitely. I think it's funny you mentioned I thought about it that way. But, yeah, I always felt the thrill to create, to do something of, of my own and, and to innovate uh, in one way or another to make an impact. And that did affect my college choice and uh, education, especially what I pursued. Uh, I studied business, right? So it was in a way what I thought uh, gave me certain tools to build without necessarily knowing from the get-go what I wanted to build, right? But uh, I felt that I had the tools and also the programs and and context to be able to to make things happen, right? But thinking back, it did affect like having the vicinity with, with silicon valley and with new york etc where where things are happening right and and where arguably still most or quite a bit of innovation is, is happening um i think that did play a role in into shaping let's say my aspirations in a way
0: did you said uh, family your family in new york
1: yeah yeah i'm in, in brooklyn
0: okay <laughs> what part of brooklyn
1: it's the gros street so i would say wow well, where is it carol carol gardens Gardens. Yeah, around, I think so. Yeah. Side. Yeah. Nice area. I always love to walk around and, and actually, yeah, my first experience, I guess we'll get into that, but my first experience with vertical farming or CEA was actually in New York City as well. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Definitely opened the doors and my eyes to new, new realms of possibilities.
0: What were some of the early entrepreneurial ventures you started? <laughs>
1: Yeah, of course, from the mythical selling <laughs> lemonade <laughs> in TJ when I was a kid or, or okay. other stuff, right? But uh, I would say like most prominently events doing like high school, et cetera. I was doing crazy events. <laughs> Funnily enough, we did uh, La Cuba Más Grande del Mundo. We did like the world's biggest cuba delivery after uh, this uh, <laughs> this crazy film that appeared, we hired a, uh, an actor that was very popular at the moment in Mexico. And it, it was a wild success went viral. So that was like, yeah, just uh, making it happen, and just uh, assuring that the, the things could be made and, and were successful. So yeah, it was like a, a prominent one and, and, and something that just, uh, yeah, pushed me towards creating more and, and generating more uh, content for people.
0: And then you started working, you had some time in solar as well. If I looked, I saw some of that on, on LinkedIn as, also.
1: Yeah, a couple of things in solar. One of them was with Bright Solar there. Yeah, Silicon Valley startup working in, in Mexico, mostly in LATAM, but that was just a brief period as an ambassador helping position solar panels with residential. Then I went on my own in, in terms of uh, creating a, a concept for decentralized energy resources to generate renewable energy credits and be able to plug into 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 the market, which is usually uh, restricted to bigger players. And uh, we did a pilot also with the university in LATAM with Energy Web Foundation. And that actually was another touchpoint with vertical farming, as uh, we also needed on the demand side, high energy consumers or people that could potentially generate their own energy and as we know, energy is one key piece of the vertical farming equation, right? So yeah, happy to share a bit more about that. And finally, in terms of the solar, I had, yeah, a season working in the solar industry in Australia, that was 2020 or so also like doing consulting and, uh, residential and commercial, um, sales of energy. So that was also a good approach in terms of that field.
0: So talk to me a little bit about mindset. Obviously, given what we've already heard so far, you're definitely one for adventure and one for traveling. So tell me the story about how you end up in Australia.
1: Yeah, so Australia, I would say a couple of things. Yeah, totally adventure and and travel and creation. Australia was actually a joint decision, I would say, uh, of of my partner, my girlfriend and, and myself. She actually led the way by studying there, her, her master's in unimel and I, I was just finishing college and and working on, on some side projects and I knew that like Australia was big for energy and uh, also lifestyle and everything so for me it was a, a no-brainer right uh, following the heart but also like uh, being able to work on on an industry that I was passionate about and that was like World leading on that side, which it was at the moment in terms of the country and, and hydropower, solar, etc. So yeah, it, I was quick enough to make the call and, and go there, of course, with all the logistics and uh, bureaucratic issues attached. But uh, I've seen that that's something that, yeah, can be solved. Uh, and as always, where there's a will, there's a way. So yeah, we made it happen in late 2019, early 2020.
0: Talk about timing. <laughs>
1: yeah i know <laughs> there's some
0: there's some stuff happening in early 2020 so how did that like it's so funny how how many people thought they knew what 2020 was going to be in like january and february <laughs> and uh you know and especially with travel i'm wondering you know what your experience was like you know as everything was, was happening
1: totally and australia was one of the first places to be here in a way or to like have that uh coming in from asia right so it was interesting i totally a change of possibilities a change of mindset in terms of what you could do or could not like Australia was also quite rough on the, on the measures it took I think they did well at least in the beginning to to do so and and uh, it was quite clear what you couldn't do thankfully I had this um job uh, with the energy side of things and I could do remote working so that was great and I had been doing remote working since I would say 2018 so that was also a bit um advantages in my side. And to be honest, yeah, I took the time to go deeper into a couple of things, both the energy side, but also that's when I started going deeper into vertical farming, right? Uh, yeah. I had the time I had the, the you had a laptop, right? Uh, <laughs> you have access to millions of, of files, things to do research on. So yeah, luckily enough, I, I think I, I used the time well to to start building and start going deeper in, into the matter
0: something else it looks like you went deeper into is blockchain <laughs> yeah and so all these things I'm, we're going to try to bring everything back together but like how did that interest start because it, it looks like 20, 2019 according to you know what i saw but talk about you you know where that curiosity started for you
1: absolutely i think that, that started in lisbon in 2017 with uh you know like people talk uh, friends friends talking about it uh both on on the core principles of decentralization and uh, yeah, distributed technology and, and traceability, which was quite interesting at in the beginning also at a, at a philosophical level. But of course, also all the rage with, with uh, the ICOs and what everything was uh, was going on. And, and the bull run was was just starting. So it was like still very attractive and interesting. And, and then I, I just went to, to the rabbit hole both, yeah. I think it's been three major rabbit holes uh, during this last couple of years. Uh, One of them is blockchain, another is energy and, of course, uh, vertical farming. And yes, we'll totally intertwine them together. But yeah, that started with good friends telling me about it, uh, reading white papers, going deeper into projects. And then back in Mexico, that was in Lisbon, I was doing an an, an exchange and and also working with, with a couple of projects over here. When I came back to... To Mexico, I started this blockchain developer lab called Blockchain Devs, where we trained developers and engineers just on the basics of of blockchain technology, smart contracts, uh, first leveraging Ethereum, which was the best, not the best, but the most uh, developed language initially or protocol like Solidity and just doing partnerships with different programs, different initiatives, all the way from centralized finance to energy to, uh, yeah, just core blockchain technology and i've kept uh, interested in on it uh, since yeah since then sometimes more than others like collaborating with different projects on that and um, yeah until we reach the point I, I stepped back a bit while focusing on on raiz and, and i guess we'll get there but yeah funnily enough one thing led to another and and right now we're also like developing a a solid component, um, integrating blockchain and vertical farming.
0: (laughs) So many exciting industries and, you know, things that are really top of mind for a lot of folks. So It must be hard, you know, to kind of go down one. I can definitely relate. You know, I, I always am the type of person, I used to call it chasing shiny objects, but now I think it's just like passions and interests and... I I'm, I've accepted the fact that I'm going to have a lot of passions and I'm going to have a lot of interests. And I think it's just a matter of finding the time. I'm going down like a chat GPT AI rabbit hole now. So that's like <laughs> yeah. what's happening there is moving. Ex- talk about stuff that's moving exponentially fast. So it's it's really interesting to see how it's all coming together and how, how it's all helping us, you know, when used properly and puts a good use you know there's people that like hear the term web3 or hear the term blockchain or hear the term nft and just immediately roll their eyes and just be like oh that's a hype and i think understanding the best parts of all these tools i think is and knowing how to put them to use i think is going to be a valuable skill set going forward so I, i'm i definitely applaud your curiosity
1: <laughs> thank you thank you no and and yes totally relate uh, there but I think it's about like compounding knowledge and compounding contacts, right? So as you said, it's exponential growing trends. So if we can match them, and both with with what you want to build and the passions, as you mentioned, uh, with what's going on in the world out there, right? You can compound those interests and knowledge, and and yeah, infrastructure that you potentially have built, and then then intersect between those, right? So yeah, that's it's very exciting, as you say. And yeah, it takes time, right? And I think one thing there, I guess, for the audience, it's, yeah, it's good that going into these rabbit holes, but I think it should also be met with some kind of consistency, right? It's not just like, a, it shouldn't be a, just a fad and, and then go, but it's like, okay, if we can like build serious knowledge there and, and then create a, a tool set that we can apply to different projects, as you said, can be very valuable for our head.
0: Out of curiosity, what's the equivalent in Spanish for rabbit hole?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Because it's not like Oyo de conejo, but I mean, it, it's some, it's, <laughs> there's got to be some other phrase that talks about like just like this Alice in Wonderland, like going absolutely,
1: down. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the disadvantages of uh, being born and raised in TJ, the Spanglish, man. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's, find yeah. yourself speaking English uh, a lot of times, but yeah, I'll give it a think for sure.
0: So okay, let's. Moving closer and closer to present day, I do have just one question. Like, If I was to ask your parents or your family if this was something in you that you're always curious, always wanting to learn more, is would they say that this has been something that's obvious, that this was a, a trend for you?
1: Maybe yes. Maybe yes. I think uh, definitely in terms of the curiosity of different fields and different yeah. like facets of myself and of just life as a whole, I, I think they would point out to different sports that I wanted to try out and different kinds of people that I wanted to hang out with, right, from, yeah, from all kinds of, of people and all kinds of knowledge. I I always thought, like, people and uh, things have so much to teach us. So better not to just, like, be square minded, but just, I think there's a lot to learn and a lot to be, be, be gained and acquired from different sides. So maybe yes, they would say yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So of all the passions and all the things that were starting to interest you and get on your radar, what was it specifically about Vertical Farms that had you more focused and decide that this is going to be the next project for you?
1: Yes. So it was again, like 2020. And actually there was a lack of produce in the supermarkets. At least that happened to me in in Australia, right? So there was that rising need, which was very tangible. And yeah, I had still like i had been talking about it since like 2016 2017 but not really taking action i just like going a bit more on the theoretical side but uh once that hit and i saw for example on the energy side that vertical farms were also like having that hard time in terms of uh, energy sourcing and like the opex coming out of energy i, I thought I'd, i had the knowledge or at least the the perspective to be able to make it differently and to make it work and it was also something very actionable right that um, i thought we could move forward with and validate and launch to market so i felt i had the right expertise or at least the right perspective to be able to tackle it in a different manner and actually make something worthwhile that could be made different and and take it to market effectively and yeah, vertical farming and let's say value-added products and local food was something that was on the radar and that I as a as a client or customer was looking for and that I also validated with other potential clients and users that was something that they were looking for, right? So it was something tangible, effective that I knew we could make happen. So that's also why, why I said, let's go.
0: So how do you start... An initiative like this, it's, yeah, obviously you've had experience with some of the, the businesses you worked in before, but this is your first time as a CEO, right?
1: It is, it is.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how do you, I'm curious about your mindset and how you put together a plan of action and talk about that first year, how you build a team, how you think about, you know, what your offering is going to be and, you know, just product market fit and all that stuff. Because, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, new CEOs and starting a business, you know, really give some thought to.
1: Absolutely. No, it, it is uh I would say an evolving process and, and I think we should always be be looking for a refining product market fit and uh, always in constant in- interaction with the with the client and the user. But to answer your question, in, in the first year, I actually met my CTO, Simon, in Silicon Valley in twenty eighteen while I was running this entrepreneurship boot camp with well in partnership with Berkeley and We had already dabbled with the idea of building something of sorts. Again, I had already been in New York with this, it was Sky Vegetables also like in partnership in a way with Agritector in this program. So I had this idea of how it could be done, but definitely reached back out to Simon and uh, we knew we wanted to create something. So it's also, I would say first the team, the people, then yeah, leveraging existing network. I would say it's, it's something critical, like first going deeper on my own in terms of, okay, what do I see there is a gap for in the market, right? Or what can be built? In this case, it was energy efficient farming, right? Because it, it, it was obvious that was one of the, of the main, let's say, value adds that I could bring to the table. And that also was something critical in the industry. And I would say it, it still is, right? So first it was like honing in on that, Expanding the team, I would say, was uh, and still is something that we are doing and constantly attracting talent. And I see vertical farming and, yeah, the new food system or a decentralized food system, which is our vision, as something that is really empowering for people and attractive for people to join, right? So I think people are constantly looking to give to solid causes and to have an impact. So it's been, I would say... Not easy, but easier to bring on board talented people to join the cause and join the mission, right? Because it's something that people believe in. And, and once you see, for example, a full harvest, it's something amazing, right? So yeah, just to come back to the first year of operations, or at least of mindset building and structure. First, I met with Simon again, then Stefano, who was first taking part as head grower. He had ran a microgreen business in Vienna. We had met in Vienna in 2019. And we kept in touch and they was like already creating something that was feasible to launch. Then I came to Lisbon in October, 2020, just to validate the market. And I would say here and a personal thing, but also that something that has, has driven me forward. After Australia, I came to Europe. I came to Italy for a personal matter that my girlfriend had the medical treatments to go through important ones. So I knew I wanted to be by her side, or at least (laughs) not as far as Mexico and Italy, right? She's she's Italian and she's better now, thank God. But that was also, I think, a catalyst for me to really take action and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this in Europe and we're going to do it and push me for excellence and push me for quality because that was like also something deeper at stake, right? So that's, yeah, something that I know that it's valuable for me and that I encourage also other people to find like what's that inner drive, right? And for me, like beyond that, I mean, what we're doing, I also have a vision of being able to take this to where it matters most to people that are effectively famishing, right? And that's still happening, but we'll get there, we'll get there. In terms of, yeah, that's, I would say to pair it up, having a strong why is key, right? And then through that strong why, people will start to appear and join it, right? So just coming back to the story, I came to Portugal, met my next co-founder, was Aidan. We met through an MBA network we were doing together. He was part of an agricultural startup here in Lisbon, but also looking for something new and exciting. So the four of us kicked it off. Yeah. And we started effectively, like, as you said, looking for what was our value proposition, what we were doing, speaking with a lot of customers, speaking with a lot of suppliers, speaking with the restaurants, speaking with final customers, just exploring, right? That's the client discovery phase, the exploration, like really finding what were our core capabilities and what we wanted to build, no? And then more people started engaging. Maria as a biologist, then Lucia as a marketer and operations lead. So yeah, we've been expanding the team and we keep growing. That led us to the phase of piloting. And we piloted in Lisbon in a test chamber with a partner, a Portuguese partner that had set up a bit of a chamber. We set up the system. We started selling crops effectively to the market. We had a great customer response. And I think that's key, right? So first validating the assumptions because up till the point in which we sold the first plant of red basil or African blue basil. It's a crazy, beautiful basil. That was just an idea, no? But once we validated that, we saw people going really well and excited. Once we took, for example, the hydroponic system over there and we started to teach people around the new way to produce food and even potentially to grow their own food locally and with all the benefits attached to it. So once that started to happen, then we knew that we were onto something and we were building something that people wanted.
0: What's the current state of the vertical farming market in Portugal?
1: I would say it's still early stages. We're one of, the, let's say, yeah, five most prominent companies over here. There's been a couple of successful ones, but also not so successful ones. We see a couple of projects working more on the engineering side of things, or also just like growing for specific needs, both salads, to tomatoes, etc. But we haven't seen or encountered any like strong customer-facing brand on that side of things. We know it's fertile ground, It's especially since people are moving more and more over here. So yeah, that's interesting. And we saw it, and also a strategic decision in terms of launching here. We saw it as an almost blank canvas for us to launch and expand and test and then expand throughout Europe and potentially toward across the Atlantic, right? But it was like for us, easier to experiment and craft our own image and identity than it was, for example, and if we launched in New York or Berlin, right?
0: That's helpful to know. And so for the benefit of the listener who may not know about Raiz, can you describe what your current product offering is, who you're marketing to and some some of what you're offering and also the nature of the installations that you're doing and the size as well?
1: yeah so we launched our concept farm in july last year 2022 in terms of the structure is a -a one-of-a-kind structure we're leveraging a hybrid energy model, which means we have our own solar panels, we have natural light and LEDs. So it's uh, two containers stacked upon each other. The one on top is, again, translucent with vertically urban LEDs on the backs so that allows to provide supplementary LEDs and on the bottom so that the growing is on the top and the bottom part is uh, logistics, both uh, germination station, reservoir and workstations. So yeah, that's the setup. And we are growing and selling to restaurants and families, right? so that's the the state of things right now we also discovered or yeah developed a experienced line of things so we're doing events corporate lunches workshops etc and we found that to be very profitable as well beyond the plants so that's let's say current offering. We're developing also our own proprietary software to be able to scale up and sell this in terms of farming as a service, right? So you can have your own farm and we aim to empower communities to build their own farms and to grow their own food mostly, right? So we aim to make it as easily deployable and also as attractive to grow as possible so also providing our growing network of clients users and communities with our know-how our protocols our distribution lines our branding etc right and yeah beyond that also being able to leverage web3 and that's where where web3 comes back the return of the blockchain (laughs) in terms of the financing side of things so we know that capex can be a big hurdle for vertical farming entrepreneurs so what if we can finance it in a decentralized fashion for example, provide decentralized ownership or digital ownership of vertical farms for communities worldwide, where they can get a piece of farm, like a farm share, where you can get yields or profits coming from the plants, but also a solid traceability angle from the impact being generated in terms of water and energy mostly, which also pushes us to be very strict and very data-driven about our resource consumption. And we're building that on near protocol, They've been a solid partner for us and of course expanding and the aim here and another product we're excited about is a farm wall we're developing. So it's, yeah, it'll be out in this year.
0: What's that last thing you mentioned? A farm wall?
1: Yeah, a farm wall. So we're aiming to develop a modular system, 3D printed out of biomaterials, of course, with the sensors and all the usability angles. So we see that as a very interesting starting point. For local communities both co-working spaces but also regenerative villages which are on the rise worldwide and most effectively these places in need where they don't necessarily have the capacity to launch a mid-scale container farm or larger but they want to start like validating the use of hydroponics with their community so we're building that to be very accessible decentralize the production to 3d printing but still keep our core branding and technology you just being able to reach more people in a faster manner.
0: And so talk a little bit about that because that's interesting. Like what would an example of that look like in the real world? Like who would be a good fit for that and how would that be implemented? And, and is there like a shared ownership or shared profit stream? Like can you outline a little bit of what that would look like?
1: Yeah, so I'll talk about like communities already interested on in the pipeline. For example, it comes to mind a regenerative hotel in Italy that wants to install that and wants to grow their own produce on site, but the farmland that they have is not very arable, which is happening more and more, right? We're losing arable land to different climate issues. So yes, that's one. Another one, for example, it's a co-working space here in Lisbon that would like to grow on their own crops for communities. And a third one that is exciting, I think it's more further ahead, but it's a project that we just started sticking with. They do sustainable bamboo housing in Myanmar, and that's the place that is really rough. I and mean, people are hungry over there for real. And if we can take that technology over there and empower them to grow their own food, then that's something amazing. Then comes the economic side of things, right? So you mentioned profit sharing and shared ownership, and that's totally what we want to do also assigning a value to the impact and the people right so that's also where this whole new movement of of refi or regenerative finance that is Effectively leveraging Web3 for good and for climate action can also come in terms of allowing us to break a farm wall or a hydroponic system into pieces and allowing people worldwide to have a piece of ownership of that. And if it produces a profit, which it should, or have this flat fee, service fee, for example, with the co-working space, then that can be redistributed through the owners. And on the other side, for example, with the people in need in Myanmar. We would be partnering up with organizations that are already catering to those in terms of alleviating some of their needs, but also they're looking for solutions like effective solutions to help push that forward instead of just giving, for example, UBI, universal basic income, or just giving money to the people. They're looking for ways to channel that into effective action. So we see vertical farming and growing on site as a very powerful means to re-engage community, activate people in need, and effectively feed them, right? So that's something we're excited about
0: big 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 goals <laughs> big 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 vision <laughs> yeah you're teaching them to fish instead of just giving them the fish right so i think it's really inspiring to see and it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate i'll come back to the blockchain and specifically the nft piece which is interesting in a second in terms of the current offering i think it's the first time i've heard about this hybrid model where you've got the leds but you're also leveraging natural light as well can you talk a little bit about your decision to go down that model where that was inspired from and why you think that makes sense for what you're trying to do
1: absolutely so yeah it was inspired i would say on the fact that one of the biggest costs for vertical farms is light right and then most importantly that a lot of vertical farming operations or at least that was the alternative plugging into the grid and using fossil fuel energy which would defeat the purpose of you know, what we're doing. So we knew that we had to optimize for energy. And the way we could do that, especially in a sunny place like Lisbon, is to allow the natural light to go in for photosynthesis, but also make sure that they're growing at optimal levels through LEDs, right? So yeah, we went on, yeah, on the hunt, let's say, for and researching for lights that were able to be dimmable and that could be dynamically adapted or adjusted to the intensity of the solar light in any given day. And then also installed our own little microgrid. So we have 10 solar panels installed that can feed almost all of our energy needs, which are mostly HVAC and the LEDs at night or in the evening. So yeah, I think First, the need to transition to sustainable energy source, then also the competitive advantage side of things, right? So we are able to diminish our cost towards that. Of course, the initial investment can rise if you install your own little microgrid or solar panels and battery system and inverter, but it definitely makes sense on the operational cost and on the sustainability side of things. So yeah, I do think that's the way to go. It's not for everyone or everywhere right but again the energy is a key mix in this it's key input so yeah for every farm we build we know that we will harness clean energy and if possible develop our own microgrid solutions to launch these farms
0: do you envision a scenario you know because i now i've got the blockchain thinking in the background where these are connected together communicating with each other learning from each other
1: of course, yes, they have to be. Yes, every farm will be interconnected through software, right? And then the idea is also for them to share resources and optimize. So if they can be connected and then let's say there's a surplus of, of produce on one side and on, of demand on the other, then they can be matched and like balanced out, right? And on the energy side of things, then there's also a couple of opportunities that unlock there, for example, on generating credits out of the energy that you're generating, on clean energy that you're generating. And there's different Lego blocks that can be put together together. To make it yeah more efficient more attractive
0: yeah and so are these also modular within the individual installations so if you've got the two stacked if people wanted to have like four or eight or is it built in a way where you could expand pretty easily
1: yes yes that's what we're building right now yeah inesh our lead architect and designer and yeah she's leading that side of things so with the farm wall the ideal is that they're also modular but that with a smart integration of farm walls you could potentially build a farm and then you just need the outside structure to deploy a farm and then you can build it as big as you want or as small as you want right so it's definitely something that we're thinking of stacking them together and being able to cater either larger or mid or smaller communities
0: and then so you mentioned the financing so far are you currently bootstrapped or is the financing going to be explored with what you talked about earlier with the blockchain and the nfts
1: both and that's a good one. So we bootstrapped until launching our MVP. So we launched our MVP, which is this test chamber, and created the brand and everything. We saw that was a fit. So we expanded from one to six systems and this concept farm last year. And for that, we did a crowdfunding campaign with Indigo. That was 2021, ending December. And then we closed it in January last year, which was fun and challenging, but it was great, successful. Then we received a couple of grants. We're raising a pre-seed round right now. It's also focusing on this, expanding the software, expanding the blockchain protocol, but also launching a couple of new farms and reaching wider communities, especially right now in Europe, the Iberian Peninsula, so Portugal and Spain, which is a more natural progression, but also developing this farm world product, which could be placed worldwide. We have closed our first couple of tickets for this pre-seed round, but like I think yeah, if there's any investor out there listening to this, we'd be glad to connect. And we're also yeah, looking for smart capital that can help us really hone on our vision and achieve our goals in a faster, more efficient manner.
0: Very exciting. And I'm sure there's probably several that are listening here. So I'll give you some time to have for an ask later. But talk a little bit about the... There's so much to cover here. So <laughs> I know that there's you know, probably going to be people that reaching out for questions, but curious about... I saw that's something different, what you're doing with Near and people's experience with NFTs are very mixed and people putting it in the hype category. So I'm wondering if you could sort of in 30 seconds kind of overview of the NFT world and you know, why that's interesting for people that may not have even heard of the term. And then how, because of your experience with blockchain, how you're understanding that this could be something interesting for you to use and something you've experimented with.
1: Totally. So non-fungible tokens are just a digital representation that is unique, right? And beyond the NFTs and the terminology, I would say the reason we're building with Near and Beyond and this blockchain layer is to decentralize financing and for a higher traceability of our processes, right? So blockchain... At a core, is a distributed technology that allows us to bring a higher degree of transparency and decentralization on different angles, right? The way we are leveraging or we have started using it as use cases is through this planFTs, right? So plants, <laughs> we created these NFTs that was last year that equated some of our plants, some of our systems, and people could, for example, get a membership of our crops through acquiring an NFT. That was just like a first step with this, with Mintbase and also like a marketplace within the NIR protocol, right now we're exploring with this farm share concept which is interesting it won't be an nft in the future it will be a fungible token a utility token but hopefully the terminology will be out of it so what we aim to do is just to allow people to have a piece of ownership of a new decentralized food system right so if you can own that if you can take part of that then you have incentives aligned to grow that network of a positive asset or a climate positive asset or a society positive asset right so if you can have a piece a vertical farming network, wouldn't you be excited what if you could yeah, have a profit from that? what if you could like help feed other people and we see a lot of interest on that so I would say blockchain for us is just a tool for a higher scalability going ahead right and there's definitely funds to be gathered from that and eventually we aim for it to be a mechanism that allows us to scale up the vertical farming network by itself right so if we have a solid enough digital asset that is baked into the unit economics of the vertical farming network then as the farming network grows also the profit and the value of that asset so it can effectively fund the deployment of new farms by itself right so yes there's (laughs) we can take an hour just on this topic right but what we're aiming to do here is leverage technology to be able to deploy more farms where it matters at a faster pace in a more traceable manner and with higher impact.
0: Very interesting. I'm sure I'll be following up with questions about that. So we are at the top of the hour. There's so much that's been covered here. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what some of the best things would be to ask or to share. But as we come to a close, I'm curious if there's a tough question you've had to ask yourself recently.
1: A tough question. Yes, I mean, <laughs> a couple, right? So I think we constantly discuss with a team, where's our biggest impact, right? So of course we all want to save the world. We all want to do what's best. One of it was like, okay, are we making a difference on the carbon side of things? And answering very strongly, we saw that it wasn't the main thing, right? So the main thing is people and water. So how do we hone in on that, right? So, and being like very aggressive in a way or sincere in terms of what we want to build and where our impact lies, right? So that's also coming back to the why, right? So always trying to come back to the why and articulate it with what we're building. So yes, in, in terms of that is like re-asking the why and our purpose as a company. So yeah, that's something that we've been like reframing And we aim to build a greener food system, healthier communities, and just allow people to have a healthy life, right? Both in urban spaces, cities, but also communities in need. So that's something where we're going and that's something that we keep asking ourselves just not to be, yeah, fooled by ourselves or just not to be lost in the woods, right? But to see the whole picture, I think that's an important question that we should ask ourselves often.
0: Yeah, every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> True.
0: So given the audience of this show, lots of your peers, folks in the industry, folks curious about entering the space, looking for a new opportunities in space, I've been leaving room at the end of each conversation for you. If you have a specific ask, if you have a specific message, anything you want to say to people working in this industry, what would that be?
1: Yeah, I would say let's keep on building and growing. I think what we do is very noble as an industry. It's been, I would say, a tough last couple of months as an industry as a whole, but it really just shows us that we need to focus on the critical and focus on what really matters and the value that we can bring to the table. So yeah, I would just encourage us to just keep going. In terms of an ask, I mentioned before, yeah, if there's an investor that resonates with our mission and what we're building, we'd love to connect. And in general, for future partners, et cetera, like we're very open as a company, as a startup. So always looking for new technology to integrate, for new partners, for new distribution channels, et cetera. So yeah, and always happy to help in whatever way possible. So just leaving that they open.
0: Well, Emiliano, you know, I'm really happy we connected and that you reached out or I reached out. I'm not sure how these conversations <laughs> sometimes start, but I think maybe on LinkedIn, but I'm really happy. It's so hard to keep up with everything that's happening. I keep saying here that when I started the show, I thought, you know, a couple of seasons, I'll speak to everyone in the industry and it'll be fine. But, you know, I'm just amazed by so much that's happening in this space. So I'm excited. I don't know if you've got you're planning, any of the conferences coming up this year, indoor farming conferences, maybe we'll have a chance to connect there as well.
1: There's more and more, but yeah, let's keep in touch about that. Definitely looking forward to attend a couple. So yes. And yeah, I'm glad you say that there's increasing amount of people and of agents. I think, yeah, there's a lot of room for growth. So great. And thank you. Thank you. Because you've been an inspiration as well since the beginning. So yeah, great to be here. And thanks for everything.
0: So raiz.farm, R-A-I-Z.farm is the website. We'll be sure to include that. Any of the other socials, we'll put those in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about trying to write that down during this conversation. <laughs> Anywhere else you want to send folks to connect with you or the company?
1: Yeah, I would say Twitter for those Web3 curious, <laughs> Refi curious, LinkedIn more on the commercial side of things, the website's there, of course, the Instagram. And yeah, like, happy to share my contact to whoever's interested.
0: Okay, thanks. I appreciate your time.
1: Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, sir.
0: Thanks again to Miliano of Raiz Farms for coming on the show and sharing his story. Really exciting to see how they're using technology and the marriage of what's happening with vertical farming. Full show notes available at verticalfarmingpodcast.com. We go to great lengths to give you a summary, timestamps, takeaways, and any resources mentioned in the show on those pages. Special thanks to Our Season 7 title sponsor, Cultivated. It was great to hang out with them at Indoor Icon. If you're looking into a vertical farm and don't know where to start or which technology would suit your needs, reach out to them today. And best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Learn more at cultivated.com. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Just leave out that last E. Podcast production marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at fullcast.co and see if a podcast is right for your business. As a reminder, if you're enjoying this show, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. We'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. Tune in next week for a conversation with yet another fascinating leader from the world of vertical farming, Jazz Singh of Innovation Agritech. Until we meet again, here's to your health.
1: Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published.